Hello, my name is Alice Turner, and these are the tales of the Great Transfiguration. Rhode Island versus $45 million has been a landmark court case in a long list of major cases in the fallout of the Great Transfiguration. As more and more of the people of Providence began to transform, the city, and by extension the state of Rhode Island, has been forced to transform as well. Today, the court presides over the case of Jamie Banks. December 13th, at exactly 2.45 p.m., Jamie Banks, accountant, husband, and father of one, exploded into $45 million in cash. Luckily, his wife and daughter were out of the house at the time of his transformation. Money erupted out of windows, out the door, and down the street. An estimated $250,000 was scraped off the sidewalk surrounding the Banks' residence and has already entered public circulation. Fortunately, the proper authorities were alerted and the $45 million that was once Jamie Banks was swept up and neatly packaged into four large pallets. Those pallets now sit on trial before Judge Daryl Davis. As one of the only unchanged members of the media, I've been given exclusive access to the trial as the state of Rhode Island must now figure out what to do with Jamie Banks. All rise. Case number 85, the state of Rhode Island versus Jamie Banks. The Honorable Judge Daryl Davis presiding. You may be seated. The defendant, Mr. Banks, stands accused of counterfeiting over $45 million. Mr. Banks, how do you plead? Mr. Banks pleads not guilty, Your Honor, and I request that all further questioning be directed toward either myself or our witnesses, as Mr. Banks is unable to communicate at this time. I'm sorry, is Mr. Banks not present? I was told this was a counterfeiting case. Mr. Banks is present, Your Honor, all $45 million of him. The defendant transformed into $45 million last week on December 13th, as Mr. Jamie Banks is currently physically $45 million in cash. He is unable to defend himself from the state and will be represented by his attorney. Money can't talk, Your Honor. I'm aware. Noted. All further questioning shall be directed at the defense. Prosecutor Hill. Do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? I do. And Mr. Banks, do you solemnly swear to tell the truth, the whole truth, and nothing but the truth, so help you God? <laughs> he does, Your Honor. Money don't lie, Your Honor. Prosecutor Hill, your statement. Thank you. The defendant, Jamie Banks, stands accused of counterfeiting over $45 million. Objection! The bills of Mr. Banks have been examined and deemed legal tender by the state of Rhode Island. Even worse. $45 million is a dangerously large sum of money to suddenly introduce into the economy. If Jamie Banks is allowed to enter society, businesses and taxpayers alike will suffer. Inflation is a slippery slope, Your Honor. Allowing Mr. Banks to walk free may act as tacit approval for other citizens to turn into $45 million as well. $45 million here, $45 million there. Before you know it, we're spending 
eighty dollars on a loaf of bread, and the economy's in shambles. Our current financial system simply can't handle people believing they're worth forty-five million dollars. The state believes that Mr. Banks should be destroyed in order to eliminate the risk of him entering public circulation. The prosecution is aware that destroying legal tender is a crime, correct? Yes, Your Honor. But we also believe that having someone as valuable as Mr. Banks simply lying around is only inviting certain organizations to steal him, thus introducing his value into the financial sector and destabilizing the economy. Prosecutor Hill is also aware that the death penalty has been outlawed in the state of Rhode Island since 1984. Correct. The state believes that Mr. Banks died the moment he turned into 45 million dollars. If Mr. Banks died on December 13th, then his will must be taken into consideration. In which case, all his assets and worldly possessions, including the $45 million that constitute his physical form, must be given to his wife and daughter. Nowhere in Mr. Banks' finances does it reference him holding anything close to $45 million in assets. The money was found on his property. Order! Order! Prosecutor Hill, I am sympathetic to the fact that we are currently dealing with unprecedented legal circumstances. If I may, Your Honor, there have already been several landmark cases regarding the assets of people affected by the Great Transfiguration. Jade Pearson versus a big goat, for example, wherein the defendant's ex-wife demanded that all of Billy Pearson's material possessions be relinquished to her after he turned into, quote, a very big goat, unquote. The state sided with Billy Pearson, and he has been chewing through his belongings ever since. Ah, thank you. I was mistaken. Unfortunately, Prosecutor Hill... Mr. Banks is still technically himself, as I believe we have several eyewitness accounts of his transformation, correct? Correct, Your Honor. So, Prosecutor Hill, to honor precedent and keep this case out of death court, does the state present an appropriate sentence to the jury? In light of new legal precedent, the state requests a sentence of multiple lives in prison with no visitation rights in order to prevent Mr. Banks' introduction into the financial sector. Finally. The court calls for a recess. I don't know about you, but my head is swimming. We'll reconvene after a 15-minute recess. Take that time to reconstruct your arguments and stretch your legs. During recess, I was able to speak briefly with Prosecutor Hill and Jamie's defense attorney, Judy Yu. Miss Hill, how are you feeling about your case? We've got to face the facts. Unfortunately, Mr. Banks has transformed into authentic bills. There's no way to distinguish them from legitimately minted funds, and that makes them dangerous. We're just thinking about the economy here. Sure, an extra 45 mil sounds great, but do we really want to dilute the worth of the dollar? It's a slippery slope. If someone was illegally printing money, we'd throw the book at them. This is no different. Miss Yu, I understand you've acted as a defense for several other victims of the Great Transfiguration. How does this case compare? 
Well, we've certainly had a lot more eyes on this case than our past trials. $45 million makes for a good headline, that's for sure. As far as this case compares, I guess it just doesn't. It's rare in any occupation that you find yourself dealing with something truly new, but there's been an awful lot of firsts this year. The City of Providence has restructured its traffic infrastructure and lowered speed limits to deal with all the animals and office equipment suddenly appearing in our streets. Architectural firms are starting to design whale-proof buildings that can handle massive transformations. The law has to adapt too. Every case sets a new precedent. If we're going to rule that stealing a transfigured bike is kidnapping and eating a transfigured donut is cannibalism, we have to side with Mr. Banks on this one. In fact, I'd go so far as arguing that spending any of the money that constitute Mr. Banks' new corporeal form could fall under organ trafficking. But that's another case for another day. Simply put, if our city can't handle its people being worth $45 million, we should change the city, not the person. Hmm. Thank you for your time. It's strange to see the people of Providence so interested in something as normal as a court case. My taxi driver turned into a pine cone the other day, and the very last words out of his mouth were, have you heard about the bank's case? I think that the reason this trial has struck such a chord with the people of Providence is because this is the first case where the state of Rhode Island has gotten involved. People don't see it as the state against the man, but rather the state against the community. Jamie's family lost a very real person. It's something that many in Providence can relate with. On the evening before she took the stand, I was able to speak with Jamie's wife, Robin Banks. Good evening, Robin. Thanks for taking the time to speak with me. I just want him back. I just want my husband back. In this home with me and his daughter, wearing clothes and talking and smiling like a person. But when I get up on that stand and I plead for $45 million, how is the world going to see me as anything other than some gold digger? I don't think that anyone in Providence would see you that way. In Providence, sure. But what about the rest of the world? I've seen comments on the court case. Don't know what she's complaining about. Sounds like she won the lottery. That kind of stuff. The people out there, they don't get it. How could they? Someone I work with, their grandpa turned into a loaf of bread the other day. Rye, I think. And they took him out to his favorite bench and fed him to the pigeons. Is that? Well, it's not technically allowed. I think some of the new laws say you're supposed to cremate any food-based transformations. But she said, oh, so they want me to throw my grandpa in a toaster or something? No. Grandpa became bread, and bread is what he'll be. I mean, maybe it's ghoulish of me. But the thought of her sitting in her grandpa's favorite spot, feeding him to his favorite birds, it seems sweet. It's a nice way to go out. Maybe nice isn't the right word. Poetic? 
I don't think I would have seen such a thing as beautiful a year ago. Me neither. You're from out there, right? Mm-hmm. What's it like? Honestly, it was scarier out there than in here. Really? Well, we were just hearing stories about everything that was going on. My first glimpse into Providence was a video of a newscaster turning into a duck. Max Quipley? Yeah. He likes to swim in the pond just down the road. You don't say. They underscored his transformation with creepy music. Oh, it seems strange now that I think about it. It was online for a couple days before it got taken down. I guess that's why it's so scary out there. You never see the video of the duck in the pond. Is that why you came here? To see the duck? Maybe. If you could be anything, what would you be? Oof, that's dangerous talk around these parts. <laughs> I'd be me for a little longer, just until my daughter doesn't need me anymore. And then I'd like to be a couch. I think your kid's always going to need you a little bit. She's six. Her father might be incinerated by the government and she can't do basic math. She needs me a lot right now. But eventually, she'll need me a little less. That's when I'll be a couch. I'll be the most comfortable couch she's ever owned. And I'll hold her until I get bedbugs or she gets a cat and it ruins my upholstery or, or she moves into a smaller place. <laughs> what about you? I don't know. Well, that's okay. I've had a year to think about it. Laws are being rewritten every day in Providence. Institutions that many have thought were sacred have to be upended and reimagined in the face of such undeniable change. Jamie Banks isn't the only one on the stand these days, as hunting laws have seen over 37 amendments this week alone. This afternoon, I met with Jack Zachary Johnson, veteran of the Battle of the Bubble Bath and an avid hunter. Thanks for meeting with me, Jack. I heard you've been applying for a specialized hunting license. How many times have you applied? 37. I've been trying to upgrade my big game hunting license all year, but for some reason, the city ain't having it. Upgrade it in what way? I've got my eyes on the biggest game, the Instigator. It's out there, sneaking around in our ocean, just waiting to snap up our sailors. I just put in a new application to hunt animals belonging to Transformation Class 3C-B. It's a subclass of object-to-animal transformations detailing building-to-animal transformations. Now, not many buildings have changed these days, so it's a legal blind spot that I'm hoping to take advantage of. If we decide to classify the instigator as a building... Wouldn't that still fall under the destruction of public property? It's private property now. How so? I bought the land where the lighthouse used to be. I got it pretty cheap, too. If I want to tear down a building on my land, I'll tear it down. But it's not on your land anymore. It is in the eyes of the law. A building just doesn't get up and walk away. They do now. And don't you think that's a problem? What would we do if a hospital turned into a flock of doves and flew away? We need some kind of deterrent for these kinds of things. But do you need to kill them? This thing brought about the Great Transfiguration. It's probably still working some voodoo magic on us from deep beneath the sea. All it'd take is one military-grade armor-piercing round between its pink eyes and I'd drop the sucker. 
put a stop to all this transformation nonsense once and for all. I'd be doing everyone a favor. You have no proof that killing the instigator would even do anything. What about Angela Hayes? Who? She transformed into an octopus months before the instigator ever showed up. Look, I don't expect an outsider like you to understand stuff like this. I took a bullet on the beach during the Battle of the Bubble Bath while you sat on your ass and watched it on the news. I was there. People think the Great Transfiguration is all ducks and rainbows, but I had to watch my best friends transform right in front of my eyes. I held a guy in my arms as he turned into a plate of fettuccine Alfredo. He smelled delicious. It was horrifying. You sit on your high horse and watch us scramble around turning into ladybugs or whatever, but you don't know any more than any of us. You don't know what it's like. You haven't lost anyone. Look, I get it. I wasn't there. I'm not a scientist. I won't pretend to have the answers. It just doesn't seem like the instigator's hurting anyone. Well, tough. Soon as I get my hunting license, I'm going gator hunting, and there's nothing you can do about it. Thank you for your time, Jack. Lawmakers and legislators are having a hell of a time adapting old laws and process to the needs of the now. It's cases like those of Mr. Banks and Jack Zachary Johnson that highlight the fragility of these systems. How should we treat those we've lost to the Great Transfiguration? Will they always be themselves, or are they someone completely new? It looks like Providence is leaning towards a blend of these schools of thought. The defense argues that Mr. Banks is both human and $45 million in cash. The state can't ignore who he was, nor can we deny what he is. The danger Mr. Banks poses to the financial sector through pure capital alone cannot be denied. But to keep him from his family, or even worse, destroy him, would be too cruel. We are being given the opportunity to rewrite our systems, to better shape them to the needs of the people, regardless of their shape or size. The defense would like to put forward a middle ground solution as we cannot agree to the terms put forward by the opposition. Mr. Banks will not be destroyed, imprisoned in a neutral bank, or encased in lead and dropped into the ocean. We propose that Mr. Banks be returned to his family in installments. Introducing him to the financial sector in $10,000 increments won't upend the economy, but it will mean the world to his family. The defense rests, Your Honor. Rhode Island versus $45 million was a landmark case as the state decided to return the defendant, Jamie Banks, to his family. A $45 million windfall might sound life-changing, but everyone in Providence knew that this was a hollow victory for Robin Banks. As she stood before more money than I've ever seen in my life, I couldn't help but feel sorry for her. Oh, and Jack was denied his hunting license for the 38th time in a row. Oh, come on. I've been Alice Turner, and these are the tales of the Great Transfiguration. Thank you for listening to Tales of the Great Transfiguration. 
This episode was written by Ben Townsley, with direction by Andrea Sardison, and featuring the voice talents of Ardith Boxel, Rena Jolly, Kara Joseph, Ross McMillan, Geneviève Peltier, and Sam Plett. Our sound designer is MJ Dandineau, with audio engineering by Daphne Finlayson. Tales of the Great Transfiguration was produced by the Village Conservatory with the Crescent Arts Centre. Support for the show is provided by the Canada Council for the Arts and the Winnipeg Arts Council. For more information about this podcast, please visit villageconservatory.com tales.